Hello everyone, welcome to episode 40 of Don't Call Me a Guru. We are a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown and community supported. I'm your host, Linda Huang, and today we're chatting social media in the art industry. My guest today is AJ Loudon, an artist based in Amiskwachi, Waskegon, Treaty 6, Edmonton, Alberta. AJ Loudon Studios creates inspiring, memorable interior and exterior artworks, boldly transforming everyday spaces into landmarks with the goal of making cities and spaces more inspiring, engaging, informed, and thoughtful through strategic and compassionate use of creativity. I've been a fan of AJ for some time now and love following him on social media, so I'm excited to get his perspective on how social media impacts his work as an artist. Hey, Linda, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Good, good. It's so nice to talk to you. I feel like I feel like I'm one of your uh, regular stalkers on Twitter. So. <laughs> I love following I, I use your hashtag constantly. So. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm wondering if we can start, um, if you can tell listeners a bit about yourself, what type of artwork do you do, how long you've been an artist, maybe some of the public pieces that people may not even realize that they've seen that that is from you. And then, and then my favorite part, one of my favorite things about you is your piney P character. If you want to talk about him too. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, my name's AJ Loudon. I'm primarily a muralist. So I focus on large scale paintings. Uh, I've been an artist for about as long as I can remember. Some of my early memories are sitting at my grandma's house drawing on uh, those old stacks of printer paper where you could, they had these perforated sides. That's, <laughs> date myself a little bit. They had these perforated sides that you had to tear off before they were a clean sheet of paper. So, right. um, so yeah, I've been an artist forever. Um, so full-time, I've been an artist for about four years. Uh, and then I've been, I was burning the midnight oil. I had a day job um, for several years before that, uh, just kind of working my way up to a career so. And I have lots of uh, lots of work around Edmonton. I mean, uh, I live here. I've lived here for uh, over a decade now. Uh, I grew up in Calgary. Um, okay. So in terms of uh, work around Edmonton, uh, I guess most recently I, I finished a tribute portrait of Joey Moss, who's yeah. a, a well-loved uh, Edmontonian. Um, so people might have, have seen or heard of that one. Um, yeah. You might have been driving downtown on like 107th Ave and about 103rd Street. Um, so I have a, a mural up there called Dream Friends Journey. Uh, it's about a story up off the ground. Um, if you're on 118th Ave a lot, I have uh, some work in that area as well, particularly on the Avenue Theater. I've been curating um, sort of a, an annual facelift or uh, multi times a year, actually, we would do a creative facelift of the theater. So it's an old, uh, an old theater building in Edmonton and it's, um, it's not in the, the best shape anymore, but we wanted to make sure it's still a home for art. So um, myself and some friends of mine, um, a couple of times a year, we'll go over there and, and paint some new murals on it. Um, so that that's one that a lot of people have seen uh, downtown there's uh, Ming Shine, which is a car detailing shop uh, did a big mural there as part of the Russ Magic Festival um, parlor restaurant is close there too. Um, Army and Navy on White Ave we just kind of did that a similar thing where it's a really old uh, well loved building with a lot of history here and um, so we just uh, covered the whole thing in murals myself and a few other local artists uh, so that happened this year uh, El Beso downtown a tequila bar as well. Oh, and then, of course, the LRT stations. So you're like uh, all, all over, over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah, maybe talk about you also do an aerosol academy and something that you sort of repeatedly uh, paint is is Piney P. Tell people about Piney P too. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, so aerosol academy. It's a program that I created uh, several years ago now. Uh, I think I started started in 2011. Wow, <laughs> time flies. 
Um, <laughs> but it's a program that I created because um, when I was growing up, I, I was passionate about art and drawing and, and making things, but I didn't necessarily connect with the art schools that I was taught in, uh, the art classes I was taught in school. Um, so uh, I, I just realized growing up and getting into graffiti and street art that I was always a creative person. I was always passionate about art, but just didn't connect in that um, academic environment. Um, so I created this program to teach people about the history and culture of graffiti and other unsanctioned public art, uh, and then how they tie into the current movement of contemporary urban muralism that's uh, really popping off right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so many of the most important muralists that uh, exist in the world right now have a really strong tie to graffiti and street art culture. And so just exploring that and demystifying it for some people, um, that was a big part of my own personal creative upbringing was finding graffiti and street art and um, making art in the streets and getting in trouble and uh, all of that kind of stuff. So just sharing some of those experiences and how they tie into my life now as a, as a full-time artist is important to me. And then for Piney, uh, Piney, that's my son. Uh, so he's a giant <laughs> pineapple. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, he's usually depicted frowning. Uh, he's not angry. People ask me that all the time. He's not angry. He's just very focused. Um, and uh, yeah, he appears all over the province in uh, various forms. So often he's spray painted on walls, on stickers. He just started a clothing line too. Yeah, so he's he is his own entity. He's doing his thing. So I'm just, I just try and keep up sometimes. What a successful son you have. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, for real. So a blessing and a curse sometimes. <laughs> I'm wondering if you can talk about how you are using social media as an artist, if, you know, you're using it more in recent years. Uh, what platforms are on do you do you have a plan for things that you're sharing or you know or do you just kind of do it what successes have you seen come out of using social media um, from the perspective of being an uh, like a full-time artist well, that's a good question it's something that I, I think about a fair bit I did an art show uh, last December called like me and it was a series of portraits of all of these other local Edmonton or Edmonton and area based artists um, and I pulled all the references for these photos from social media because I was thinking a lot about how artists engage with social media and what it means for us. Because I think being an artist right now is drastically different than it would have been being an artist uh, at any other time in the past. Um, right. And particularly because of our relationship with social media and what's expected from that relationship. And so for me, I use social media to share um, both my finished work and then a little bit of behind the scenes and process. Uh, that's always been something that's... Uh, uh, felt valuable to share and also just use it as a tool to record things because uh, some of the work that I do is temporary like I do murals but not all of them are meant to last forever and just with a, a background in history and graffiti and street art I'm like really interested in impermanent art and what that opens up for the artist if things don't need to last forever or be timeless just being able to record things in the moment is, is useful through social media and you know if I lose my phone at least it's on my feed somewhere yeah it's a great backup yeah. drive <laughs> Totally, exactly. <laughs> so in terms of platforms that I use, I'm on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and then occasionally on LinkedIn. I probably use them in that order as well. I have TikTok as well. I'm not really using it at all right now, but um, I've had some, uh, I guess, some types of success on TikTok in the past. To be honest, I'm not operating with a ton of strategy. Uh, there's maybe a few principles and guiding ideals that I maybe use, but uh, I'd like to have a little bit more of a strategic approach um, moving forward. And I've been more strategic in the past too. It's just probably right now, I just don't feel that uh, that strategic or that sort of planned ahead. Sometimes, you know, I'm spending a lot of time thinking about strategy and other times I'm busy with other parts of my practice as an artist and that my strategy kind of falls to the wayside a little bit. So something that I've found is how easy it is now for people to discover and like directly talk to 
artists from really anywhere. Like there's not really like a, a border issue or, you know, if you live in Canada, but you're a fan of an artist in like Spain, even you could, you could send them a note and, and maybe hear back from them. But do you find that, that, that you get that are people, you know, discovering, following, talking to you, um, asking about your art on social media, or how are you, if, if you are engaging back with people online? Yeah, I mean, I, I do get um, I do get to connect with some people that are international. And so both as a fan, I, I love um, just being able to follow other artists that I wouldn't be able to see their work as easily without social media. Uh, I love to travel too. And obviously right now that, that can be a bit difficult, but um, that's something I always love when I travel is like seeing what the walls in a certain city look like or a certain country and how they differ from what we do with our walls. That uh, element of connection and being able to build a community or just connect with a community is, is cool. That's one of the things... Um, that's one of the pieces of value that I'd get uh, out of it. And I do, yeah, like I said, I do connect with some international artists. I find more of my following and more of the people that I follow are more local, mm -hmm. um, probably overall, but uh, that might just have to do with my industry too. Like it makes more sense for me to do more of my murals locally at this point in my career, as opposed to like trying to find a ton of um, international um, people to work with. So yeah, it's sort of a, a mixed bag in terms of that engagement. I do try and talk to everybody that, um, talks to me or comments or reaches out. You mentioned, you sort of mentioned it now a few times is that you sort of approach it where you're thinking about, does this provide value? So is it, is it valuable for yourself or is it valuable for the people who might be seeing your posts? So I think that's a great point for the people that might be listening um, when you're coming up with, you know, your strategy or you're thinking about what you want to share on social media um, asking yourself, you know, is like, what does this mean for the person who might see your post? And is it going to be useful or interesting or valuable to them? But I also like that you said whether or not it's valuable to you. So making sure you're not wasting your time as well online. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And that's the easy thing to do, right? <laughs> to fall down that rabbit hole of, uh, yeah, for sure. It's, it could be tough. In the summer, you did something, and I don't know if that was the first time you had done it or not, but you called it Game of Shrooms. <laughs> and it yeah. was like, uh, it, was, it was, I would call it like a social media activation. Uh, but can you tell listeners who might not be familiar with what, what did you do with Game of Shrooms? What was it? How did it, how, how did it go? <laughs> um, so actually, Game of Shrooms was started by an artist named Attaboy. So his real name is Daniel Seifert. Uh, and it was brought to Edmonton by Jen Lee, who goes by Mira Nova on Instagram. And um, so the whole premise behind this is that artists around the world on one day in the year, so it's one day that they've chosen, um, you create these uh, pieces of mushroom art and you can create the art beforehand. It's supposed to be themed around mushrooms in some way. And then all uh, on this one day, we all do social media posts uh, and we place the art around our respective cities or communities and then post a small clue to where that art would be. And then people get to check that clue out and then go try and find the art and whoever finds the individual piece of art uh, gets to keep it. And one of the one of the rules behind uh, Game of Shrooms is that uh, as an artist, if your art doesn't get found in 24 hours, you're responsible to go pick it up. So we're not just like littering the world with art that uh, Although that finds sounds, later. Although that sounds okay. <laughs> Litter yeah. the world with art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. So yeah, Jen had invited me to participate and uh, I was pretty busy at the time, but uh, just last minute I found a little time window. And so I just jumped in and created uh, two three foot tall hand painted wood mushrooms and then hid those around the city. Uh, and so I posted some photos to social media and then people were invited to come find the pieces and got they got to keep them. 
And for mine, both of them were founded, were found right away, uh, like less than 30 minutes for the both of them. That's so, amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. And um, both, I think I need to maybe hide them a little bit more of a tricky spot next time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just showed the power of like, uh, the people were really interested. Like I got so much engagement out of it and people were asking me for clues and I was saying no. And uh, so it was really fun, especially for like uh, an an art activity in COVID times that people can actually get together and do. Uh, yeah. You can go walking outside socially distanced and you can still be looking for stuff together. So, um, so that was pretty fun. That is fun. And I think, you know, I think people underestimate like taking or trying to think of maybe content or contests or ideas that take place in person too. So not just online, but can you sort of do a hybrid where I think the incentive would have to be there. So in your case, you know, getting your artwork is a great, uh, incentive for people to actually physically go and find it but uh, yeah, the, I, yeah, yeah. I, I remember seeing it and thinking ah this is so cool I should leave my house and then I never did <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah I, I think it's a great point you bring up is that the incentive um, needs to be the right incentive um, so I, with Game of Shrooms in Edmonton I think every single piece was found which is really cool really cool um, but yeah it, 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 it comes back to adding value for people again like if I had wanted to think about this as like sort of a marketing exercise mm-hmm. um and yeah I need to make sure that what I'm offering people to come out of their house and engage with this is like actually worth something and um makes sense yeah I think that's like for the, you and aligns kind of with with your business and and who you are totally yeah 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 uh, you'd sort of mentioned your one of your more recent uh pieces is a tribute to Joey Moss um, but that's, uh, and, and I, so that got a lot of social media attention that got a lot of media attention. Um, you've also done, uh, when Greta Thunberg was in Edmonton after her rally, you had done something about her, uh, when Jason mm-hmm. Kenny had, I mean, he always is cutting things, but when he had done budget cuts, <laughs> um, you had done something for him. So I find, uh, you know, from me looking, looking into you, I'm like, oh, you know, that is so smart and so timely that he's creating these pieces while people are still talking about it or while things are fresh in their mind. Is that, you know, when you're, when you're deciding, like, I'm going to do a tribute or I'm going to do a photo or a portrait of this person right now, are you thinking about that? Like, like, are you thinking, you know what, this is probably going to spread on social media, or this is probably going to get media attention. Is that, you know, sort of strategic? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. Um, For me, it's not. um, But I can, I I do also see the strategy of it, or I could see how that would um, maybe be enticing for artists. But I think uh, it really becomes clear when it's sort of faked. Uh, And I think that can be, in my mind, and for my brand as an artist, and who the art that I want to make and all of that, I, I think, I think it would be very deleterious to come off as like, disingenuous with a piece like that Mm -hmm. so for me um there are like a lot of situations where I'm like oh cool I could see how if I painted this I would get a lot of media attention and I definitely don't um just because it doesn't align with like my personal practice as an artist or like where I think things need to be going or even the things I need to I think we need to be talking about so like it would have been um maybe from a marketing perspective it would have been slick for me to do like a big Donald Trump takedown (laughs) Um, and do a big detailed portrait of Donald and make him look really dumb or whatever. Um, And uh, it was very conscious uh, choice for me not to do that Um, because I think uh, for that particular figure, a lot of his power comes from everybody representing him constantly and him being kind of turned into this symbol. Uh, And I I don't want to lend any energy to that. I, I, I think that's what got us here in the first place. 
So, yeah, I mean, if there is a strategy around some of those choices about when to paint something and where to paint it, uh, it's always art driven. So it's driven by my practice as an artist. And like, what do I think we need to be talking about as a society? And where can I put that that hopefully would drive that conversation forward? That uh, it, it is really driven by the art and what I think we kind of need to be talking about as a society. One of the, the roles that I believe um, an artist working in public occupies, so an artist like myself that does a lot of public large-scale murals, is I think that we owe it to society to become a, a method of recording the times that we live in. And I think artists in general, this can be one of the many roles that we can fill, but I think like recording it through the lens of art as opposed to just, you know, when society looks back 20 years or 100 years from now, if they only have Fox News videos on social media and they've got CNN and those are the only records of what happened during this time, right. um, then I think we miss part of the the picture. So I think through the lens of an artist, we can, there's more of the story that we can tell. That's for me personally, why I choose to paint these pieces. You know, um, when Kobe passed away, I didn't want to do a big Kobe piece because it didn't, it didn't touch me as an artist, or that wasn't something that was relevant to my practice as an artist. With Joey Moss, it felt important. It felt relevant. It felt, it felt important to me. So that, that's why I painted Joey. And uh, same with the portrait of, of Greta and the sort of uh, satirical piece about Kenny, uh, I did a portrait of Leonard Nimoy when he passed away too, oh, yeah. um, again in a public place on, on a wall in Edmonton. So that's usually the drive for me is um, it's really art driven first. And I think my practice as an artist would sort of be subsumed by my business practice as a marketer uh, if I was really to, to just purely take that strategy of like, hey, what's hot right now? Let me paint a picture of that in a very public place and then I'll get some media interviews. And I hope I'm not that cynical yet. <laughs> No, and I think you raise a really uh, a really good point is that that sort of fine line between, you know, where's the authenticity and, and where does it make sense with with who you are or your perspective as an artist versus um, people seeing through you for trying to kind of hijack news or something like that, right? I think that makes a lot mm -hmm. of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I would see through that and I would, <laughs> um, I'd probably look at that person's work, like whatever else they tried to say after that, it would put a certain tint on how I interpreted that work. And so I think I, I feel like I have more to say than just like make a popular news story into a piece of art. And now we'll take a short break to hear from this episode's sponsors. This episode of Don't Call Me A Guru is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton Presents, Igniting Innovation, a new podcast series on the evolution of a tech startup scene. We got entrepreneurs here that are dreamers. They see the world and they say, we can make it better. And all of us in the audience here, we can help them make that better world. We're now consistently generating over 100K per month. Now we want to take this platform and make it go truly global. This is the story of Edmonton's tech innovation sector. I'm Emily Rendell Watson, and I'm the host of the newest podcast from Taproot Edmonton Presents, Igniting Innovation. This six-episode series will explore how startups and investors are coming together to build what's next. We'll hear the stories of entrepreneurs, new and experienced tech investors, and those who are working to build the sector. I want to build closer bonds with entrepreneurs and members of the innovation community. You'll be able to check out new episodes weekly from Edmonton Startup Week through to the Startup TNT Investment Summit. Listen at presents.taprootedmonton.ca or wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, subscribe today at presents.taprootedmonton.ca. 
So you mentioned you, uh, you know, TikTok's maybe the the last uh, least uh, attentive platform that you're you're using. Um, I've seen some of your Instagram reels. Are you actively trying to experiment with different, um, you know, video? Maybe you maybe you're doing more video now than you did last year. Like, are you always trying to kind of come up with different content or experiment with different things on social media? And and has that worked? Yeah, uh, I, I like to experiment a bit with format half just because I kind of get bored. Um, just <laughs> I think that's a little bit the artist to me. I'm like, like, as soon as it's like a system and I can really follow it clearly and um, then that's when I get bored, which is kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love um, that. I'm like, yeah, no, if things get too like monotonous and you're just, you're filling out, you know, today I'm going to post this and it's like this formula, just throw it out. I like that. <laughs> okay, cool. That's, that's encouraging to hear from you. I'm going to stick with that then. That's good. <laughs> So yeah, I definitely experiment with format. Uh, storytelling is like really important to me. And I think that's one of the things I like about being on social media is that like, I feel like I get to tell more of the story about my work when I'm telling it on social media, as opposed to like when I'm just saying it in front of a camera for like a piece of news media and then they kind of edit it how they need to edit it. And then that's, right. that's what comes out. Like a 15 um, second so, clip versus no, this is the whole story right from your mouth. Totally, exactly. And so I, I like that, like things like reels or like even just when Instagram got uh, video and, and, and that kind of thing. I like how they have um, changed the ability to storytell or they've given you sort of new, new tools to tell stories with. Yeah. And so for me in particular, I found I, I shared a lot more of my process once I was able to do video because a lot of my process doesn't really translate through a bunch of still photos quite as well, but like through a time-lapse, I can show a lot. So I, I found that was like a big influence on what I was sharing. And so I think I share probably a bit more video now. And, you know, I say, don't think a ton about strategy. That's not entirely true. Like I do pay attention to just what posts people seem to engage with or what posts people seem like they get value out of, because right. that's what I, like, I want, I want to give value to people. I want to do something that enriches people's lives. So if I can do that with my posts too, if it's sharing more process, then I'm happy to share more of that or. Yeah. Just kind of a little bit replicating past success, but also experimenting. So you're not just kind of doing the same thing over and over. Yeah, exactly. I'm wondering if you can share in terms of what you found to be quite successful for you as an artist using social media, as well as what you found to be challenging. Cool. Yeah, that's a great question. Again, this is something I find myself thinking about um, a lot, especially in the last few years here. But I'll start with some of the challenges that, that pop up uh, front of mind for me. So I think there's a strong potential that it could affect the type of work that you make. So if you're posting work to Instagram, and that's the main way that people see your work, say you're a painter like myself, so I'll, I'll paint something on a wall, and then I'll take a photo of that wall and then post that photo on Instagram, you can kind of argue that the photo that lives on Instagram is the art more than the painting on the wall, because more people see and engage with that photo on Instagram, potentially, right? I'm just kind of illustrating a scenario here. Right, right. So I mean, if that's the case, then you might start to think about that audience more than you think about any other audience, which would make sense and probably be logical. And then I think the constraints of, of Instagram would start to be the constraints that you work within for your art. And I think that can potentially introduce, you know, and maybe I think of them right now as challenges and maybe it's just a different, it's just different, you know, like before yeah. canvas was invented, we were painting on something else. But some of the things that pop up to mind for me are like, if all art was made with Instagram in, in mind, 
I wonder if it would start to look like the algorithm, you know, like if, um, right. if art would start to look like, you know, maybe it's just a bunch of motivational quotes on colorful walls and there's a pretty <laughs> woman's face in the corner and she's wearing something that's like <laughs> relevant to fashion right now. So it's like a, a right. now piece. And I, I just wonder what we would lose if things sort of started to boil down like that. Another thing for me is, uh, the frequency or like the volume of content that Instagram sort of demands from artists. So if I was like an oil painter and say my medium is such that I can only really produce two images per year, like two beautiful oil paintings, but it takes me that long to paint them. Right. And like, as an artist, am I, I just wonder what that means for my practice and if it makes it less realistic for me to produce those images or if, yeah. So those are some of the things I, I think about. And then just the, the demand on my time. So, you know, time I'm writing a clever caption or if I'm like researching my key demos, those aren't times where I'm getting better at producing images or better at applying paint to a surface. Um, so there's some necessary compromise in my practice there. Now, to be fair, there's always been some compromise compromise in the practice of artists, you know, like if I was an artist in the 1400s, first of all, I'm black. So I, you know, if I was living in Canada, I just, that's a whole other thing. Right. right. But um, yeah, I, I, mean, I just recognize that there's always been compromise for artists. I mean, there's always something that um, you also have to do to some of the successes. So some of the things that social media that allows us to do, it allows me to reach an audience without needing a middleman, like a gallery or an other art world gatekeeper, right. um, like even like formal education. Like I don't have a masters of art. I don't have proximity to a huge amount of wealth and that used to be a gatekeeper for artists in the past. You know, you know, you had to either know the gallery or know the collectors or, you know, or know the decision makers. So know some other art world gatekeepers. And so social media has been incredibly powerful in allowing me to move past, or even maybe in some cases, skip over some of those old rungs on the ladder that used to exist for artists that wanted to be able to make this their career. And that's incredible. Like I, I am pretty confident I wouldn't be a full-time artist if social media didn't exist. I just, I think I would be so disillusioned with the existing sort of art world infrastructure that I, I just don't know if I would try as hard. Mm -hmm. um, That's so interesting. Yeah. And I guess the last uh, big piece of success or one of the huge gifts that social media has given me as an artist is just, again, that control over the narrative around my work. Um, so especially with someone with a background in graffiti and street art, there's sort of a few stereotypes about what that artist would be like and how they would think and talk and where they're from. And I've found early in my career that when people wanted to do a story about me and if it was sort of more um, uh, mainstream news media or whatever, the story would have a certain tint to it because they'd have this narrative in their head already. And I didn't feel like it allowed my work the room to breathe that it has when I'm able to just speak about it on my own terms. So that was really, that's looking back, especially that's been a important, that's been important for me. You had mentioned sort of talking about in the challenges or maybe just the differences, kind of how Instagram as, as a machine might sort of uh, change or control artists or artwork or, or put, I think, more perspective on it. I always, I always sort of approach Instagram and art as um, coming from a really great discovery perspective. So I've I've found more artwork on Instagram. I've discovered artists on Instagram. I've um, you know I've been able to to find cool murals and walls and then save them. And then if I travel there, I know that oh yeah, I've got to visit um, that really nice piece that I saw online. So I think that's all really great. But what you've pointed out 
is is so is so interesting that that you know that there might be these types of constraints or that there might you know the Instagram algorithm might start to influence artists in in a way or or in that way I suppose when you hear about you know people getting or people interested in Instagrammable things. Uh, what what is your perspective on that? Not necessarily that our artists are changing how they do their artwork for Instagram, but from the perspective of audience discovery, do you think that's a positive, or what's your perspective on that? Yeah, that's a really good question. So as an artist that works often uh, business to business, will so often work with a small business that needs a mural on their building to make them more visible or to celebrate their brand or anything like that. Uh, I do hear that language popping up a lot more. It's like, hey, we really want an Instagrammable wall. <laughs> um, and in my mind, um, that's cool. And I think it's like, I think it, it gets across a bit of a message like, hey, we want something big and bold and it shouldn't be subtle. It should be really clear that, hey, there's art here. Um, it's, so I think that that's good. I think in my mind, I try and get them away from that being the primary motivation for the art that can kind of just mean something that's big and pretty and that looks good in a background. And I think art can be so much more than that, especially when it's telling the story of your brand or when it's talking about a space, there's an opportunity to engage with community. So the depth can be, I don't know that a wall being Instagrammable speaks to the depth of the research behind the artwork or speaks to how it connects to community or how it captures the zeitgeist or all of these other amazing things that I think art can do, especially in public places. So, I mean, um, it's great when walls are Instagrammable. I think they should also be a lot of other things. And I don't think we should only focus on Instagrammable walls. Because again, I, I think then our, start, our cities start looking like whatever the algorithm du jour is. And I, I don't think that's where we want to go. I think, I think there's more to say with art. But on the other side of that, I think it's great that people are starting to see value in art in a very commercial way. I think that's useful for artists. I think it's useful for society in general. I think we should support the arts because we know they give so much value that you invest a dollar in art, you get $2 back as a society. So it's great to see that people are starting to connect, you know, local artists and large scale artwork and business goals. And I, I think that's a good thing and I'm happy to support that. But I just ask people to look a little deeper and I say, okay, so we'll start with the Instagramable thing. How can we make it even more than that? So that right. people come and get their first Instagram photo. And then the next time they come, they want another photo because they found out how deep the art was. or They read the interpretive panel and, and realized right. how many stories are built into this beautiful painting. And they, they like, want to learn more about it. They want to come back to get it further. And um, I think that's really where we want to go with it. Yeah, as like a starting point, I think it's good, but then dig deeper. And now for one more ad break to hear from this episode's sponsors. This episode of Don't Call Me a Guru is sponsored by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group. And once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by the Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing. This year's focus is on millennials. Learn more at ecfoundation.org. So another thing that you are a part of is something called Paint the Rails. Can you tell the listeners more about what that is and, and how they might get involved? Yeah, yeah. So this is a really exciting project I've been part of for the past few years. Um, so it's all up here in Edmonton, and we've painted five LRT stations around the city. And all of these stations uh, have murals that were based on a ton of community engagement. So we reached out to all these communities that are a, part, a big part of Edmonton's uh, rich cultural heritage, but haven't had their stories told 
in as big or as bold of a way as um, some of the other stories about Edmonton's history. And we've turned those stories into murals at these five LRT stations, also into this legacy book that we're working on. And so that's the next part of this project is um, we're collecting some of the stories that either were hard to visualize and hard to make it into the murals, or um, that uh, we heard throughout the process um, that again, could make it into the, that form of the artwork. And we're taking these stories and assembling them into this book uh, called the Paint the Rails Legacy Book. And the goal is really just to tell this rich cultural history of this city and the province through the lens of these communities that are often underrepresented. So some of the other cool things that we're doing as part of this program is actually augmented realities. This is my second uh, my second augmented reality project. It's so cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the beta testing prototyping phase right now and it's fascinating. I actually was just at, Kingsway Mural meeting with CBC to, uh, earlier today to share some of the um, the progress on that front. It's it's so fun. Like I'm, it really represents the future of muralism in my mind. Basically, you're able to look through your phone at the murals and see these animations come to life, and then you'll actually get these pop-ups when you click on parts of the mural. You get these pop-ups at the bottom of the screen that tell you more about what you're looking at in that part of the mural and connect it to Edmonton's uh, cultural history. Cool. So that's been a, a really fun thing to work on. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, so I can't wait to see what uh, the IG walls of YG hashtag looks like once we have augmented <laughs> reality in there. I think that's we're really going to get popping. Yeah, no, yeah. that sounds awesome. And then, yeah. uh, so people can, uh, there's like, there's a, there's a coloring book and there's a few other things. How, I guess, how can people like, can they buy stuff? Can they, how can they participate with people? Yeah, yeah. no, it's a, that's a great question. So, I mean, um, the next phase of this project is that legacy book that I talked about. And a big part of their goal here is to be able to put this book into the hands of students all over the city and then uh, in the province as well. And we want it to be a really low barrier to entry. So we don't want students to have to pay for the books to be able to access their the culture of the city, right? So we want to be able to gift it to a bunch of schools around the city. Um, so we're asking for some help fundraising for us to finish researching and editing the book. Um, for us to get some graphic design so that we can have some cool activities in the book so people really are engaged with this cultural history. It's not just like a, a textbook that you read. Um, we want people to really be paying attention and really absorb this stuff. We need to create uh, some teacher resources um, for the teachers to be able to expand on the content. And then we need to print these copies. So to help us do this, um, we're offering a few different tier rewards. So if you're able to help us out with about 20 bucks, we've created these artist-designed community coloring books. And these coloring books are based on all of the five murals that we painted around the city. And so our sketches and our drawings from those have been converted into these coloring book images. So kids and adults too can kind of go through the process and color the uh, templates for these murals that we created. And so you get two of those coloring books for 20 bucks. We also have a silver tier. So uh, if you donate $100, you get 12 copies. And uh, the idea is that maybe, you know, a cohort with some youth in it, or you um, want to support a few students in a local classroom or something like that. And we have another tier for 500 bucks where you get even more copies, you get a full classroom worth of copies, and we'll actually print your name and logo in the uh, in the final legacy book. And my favorite tier, the top tier, it's a little more expensive. We're asking for uh, $2,500 or above. And I'll actually come out and paint a custom mural with you and your organization, uh, up to 10 people. And I'll teach you the Aerosol Academy workshop. So you won't be flying blind here. I'll teach you oh, how to use spray cool. paint and the tools and techniques behind uh, the types of murals that I do. And then we'll collaborate on uh, an, an actual mural and you get to keep the final mural. So I'll That's take care amazing. of all the logistics. I'll, I'll come to, yeah, it should be really cool. I'm really, I'm really hoping we get some takers on this one because I can't wait to collaborate with, the, with everyone. But uh, basically what that looks like is I'll come build a mini wall and I will prime the wall, do all the technical mural stuff, and then we'll do a workshop together and then we paint that wall together and then I'll take the panels down and uh, you guys get to keep them. So 
Cool. Pop up the, the pop up Instagram of a wall, but with so much more culture and history and, and technicality in there with you. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm for sure calling it the pop up Instagram of a wall. From here on <laughs> yeah, you That's can take great. that name. <laughs> yes. I'm just I'm yes. looking on the website right now. So if people want to donate, want more information, it's through the John Humphrey Center. Um, so it's jhcenter.org slash paint the rail. So I'll also include that um, in the notes for this podcast. And, and when we promote it, I'll, I'll include that as well. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Hopefully some people can uh, get some value out of checking these murals out and learning about their own history. I think that's really, I think that's so important, right? So I think it's, yeah, like what you were saying, it's so nice to, it's nice to have like that Instagrammable quality, but there, what's the story? There should be a story and there should be more to it, right? For me personally, representation is so important. So it was like a really big honor to be able to represent some of those stories that are either marginalized or just less often heard um, mm -hmm. and put those on the on the big scale with these large murals. One of my last questions for you uh, is really the people that are listening to this podcast um, are primarily people that work in the social media industry, but I'm sure artists are also uh, tuning in for this episode. Um, and I guess just any final pieces of advice or takeaways about what you found has worked for you or what you'd recommend for an artist or just anyone who might be using social media to communicate or storytell. So for artists, uh, I have experimented a fair bit with, you know, having people on staff or outsourcing some of my social media, either the filming or the posting. Um, so I think that's something to think about, but I, I really think as an artist, you, you really have to look at what kind of value you're going to get out of that and then what you're putting into it. Um, if you're just starting out as an artist or if you're pretty young in your career, I would really try and do as much of that yourself as you can. Many of you are probably already doing it. Stick to that. And then once you know your practice, once you know what works for you, then it makes it easier for you to start outsourcing. So then you can start hiring. If you need a social media manager, if you need a videographer, then you know what to ask for from them. Um, so that's that's something that I've learned. Overall, I'd say don't bullshit. It's just unsustainable. You have to produce such a volume of content and engagement that the faker you are, the harder it is to write that comment back or to answer it is uh, to answer it. So, I mean, if you can just be as honest and straightforward as possible, it'll allow you to shoot from the hip and it'll allow you to actually answer all those comments and actually post enough to be relevant just from the start. Don't bullshit. And then you don't have to do any awkward walking back of your personality. <laughs> also, don't listen to everybody else especially around social media since it's so new and since so many people have access to it it's really cheap to have an opinion on best practice but it's expensive to act on those opinions so do your own research um, figure out what works for you and act on that um, there's a lot of opinions out there and not everybody's right don't be too nervous too. Like I remember as an artist uh, and as a person, I'm a bit of a perfectionist and really early on my Instagram, I was trying to make everything look too pretty. And it really was a bottleneck for how much I could share. Um, just to, just remember that like, you're not the only person in somebody's feed. People are, are pretty understanding that you're the one taking the photo, that it's a work in progress. Um, sharing more is generally better. It can feel really gut-wrenching to share something that's unfinished. Write about that in the captions. Write about how it felt to share something that's unfinished. Write about what you don't think is finished yet. Yeah, just share and, and you don't have to fake it. Just be honest, be transparent. It'll help you grow as a person too. The more honesty you can share on social media, and then you'll get positive feedback on that. And you'll be like, oh man, everyone doesn't think I suck. Like I can really talk about who I am. I can be honest and open. And that can be really rewarding too. 
I love that. And I think, I think people are craving more of that, you know, real realness um, these days. Mm -hmm. They kind of want to cut through the crap. <laughs> and uh, uh, honestly, yeah. Especially failure. Um, exactly what you said, like people want to cut through the crap and like showing when you fail is one of the most honest ways to cut through the crap because most people want to show their successes. Um, and when you show how you fail or when you show like how you did something wrong and how you had to fix it and what that felt like, everybody has an experience like that. So you can connect with people and um, it's rewarding for them to know that somebody who they feel like is killing it can also go through some hard times. And it's rewarding for you to not have to be perfect all the time. So then again, you can share more when you just don't have to fake it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's more relatable. Yeah, not holding on to too much of the perfection, I think, online. Totally. Perfect. Well, I think those are those are all my questions. AJ, it was so nice to, this is actually, I think the first time we've actually really talked. <laughs> totally, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that was, yeah. So I think that's really cool. You're so, like you had so much, so many good insights to share. So thank you so much. Great. Yeah. Thanks for having me on again. I, I feel like I learned uh, lots talking to you and I always learn lots of reading your posts and checking out what you're, what you're up to as well. So thanks so much for listening to episode 40 of don't call me a guru. We are a proud member of the Alberta podcast network, locally grown community supported. Stay tuned for our next episode.